B C Listen. Hello, hello, friends. It's Matt here, filling in for Ruby, and you're listening to News Time. Hi, Matt. Today, we'll find out what can happen if you have a very, very overdue library book. Then we'll try and solve the mystery of whether thylacines still exist. We'll meet a super student who has overcome some major obstacles, and we'll discover an ancient mega lizard. You know what happens after that? Wow of the week! That's the story that made us all go wow. wow! I can't wait to hear it. Let's start the countdown. Story number five. We're in a library, and you know we're supposed to be quiet in here. But did you know you can also get in trouble if you don't return a book on time? You can borrow them for a few days, but then you have to return it. That's right. We usually have to return borrowed books after a couple of weeks, and if you don't, you have to pay money called a fine. If you don't take books back to the library, then no one else could enjoy them. Good point. A book has just been returned to the State Library of Victoria after a really, really long time. Graham Coulson recently found a book in his mum's house in Achuka, in northern Victoria, that was borrowed on April 21, 1955. That made it 24,853 days, or about 68 years, overdue. No way! Graham returned the book, but he says he was nervous about possibly having to pay a hefty fine. There was even a warning inside the book that said borrowers would have to pay threepence a day if they kept it longer than two weeks. Library staff were amazed when Graham returned the book, and they figured out that the fine, after such a long time, would have been almost $12,000. Luckily for Graham, the librarian said he didn't have to pay. Phew. I think that was really lucky, but it's also a bit cheeky. It is a bit. The librarians hope Graham's story inspires other people with stray library books at home to return them too, no matter how overdue they are. What a novel idea. Story number four. Most experts say thylacines, also called Tasmanian tigers, have been extinct for a while now. But some people believe they still exist. I think that they died a hundred years ago. I think one or two or maybe ten still exist in the whole world. The last known thylacine died at Hobart Zoo way back in 1936. That's 87 years ago. For a while now, experts thought the species probably became extinct about 30 years after that. That's sad the last Tasmanian tiger died. I really want to see a Tasmanian tiger. Recently, researchers from Australia, the United States, United Kingdom and France examined more than 1,000 reported thylacine sightings. And they've come to the conclusion that the extinction might have been as recent as the early 2000s. That's only about 20 years ago. The researchers carefully combed through the evidence to figure out which sightings could have been real and which were probably mistakes. They decided there were some later reports that sounded true, like one in 1982 where a park ranger said they saw a thylacine in the rain, but they didn't have a camera to take a picture. Sometimes 
people see things that they may think resemble a different thing because they've been thinking about it lots. Yeah, that's true. The professor in charge of the research said he personally didn't think thylacines still exist. That's because lots of cameras have been set up in forests in recent years and none have captured any pictures of the animals. But he said there was still a tiny chance thylacines could be out there because there's plenty of food and lots of places to hide in the remote Tasmanian wilderness. I really hope that they still exist. Me too. About three years ago, a teenager named Harrison Crisp was severely injured in a mountain biking accident. He broke his spine and damaged his spinal cord, which led him to become quadriplegic. That means losing the full movement of your arms and legs. He would have to spend a lot of time adjusting to the change. Yep, Harrison spent a whole year in hospital, a long way from his home in central western New South Wales. Harrison learned how to use a wheelchair and other assistive technologies to help him move about. And some grown-ups suggested that he should put his schoolwork on hold while he focused on his health. But he refused to slow down his studies. Instead, Harrison worked harder than ever. Harrison worked so hard that he was named Ducks of his school. That means he was the highest achiever among all the students of his year. I think that's amazing that even though Harrison couldn't move his arms and legs, that he still got the Ducks. And well done on working hard. Now Harrison is studying engineering and computer sciences at university. Not too long ago, his high school maths teacher nominated him for an award called the Brother John Taylor Memorial Prize, which is for students who have overcome adversity to achieve academic excellence. And Harrison won. Now Harrison wants to inspire other kids having tough times to not give up and keep working hard. Harrison has shown everyone that people with disabilities could be high achievers. Definitely. Congratulations, Harrison. Story number two. Fossils from the world's biggest skink have been discovered and it has one of the coolest nicknames I've ever heard. Mega Junk. Mega Chunk. I don't know why it's called a Mega Chunk, but it sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? Sure does. Its proper name is Teliqua frangens, but researchers like calling it Mega Chunk because chunky means big. Skinks are lizards and they usually range in size from about the length of a human finger to around the length of a drink bottle. But the Megachonk was about 1,000 times bigger than most modern day skinks and it was as long as a human arm. They are big and they look like a blue tongued lizard. They do. Megachonk was covered in spiky armour and would have looked a bit like a blue tongued shingleback lizard. It existed about 50,000 years ago, around the time of other now extinct megafauna like enormous wombats and kangaroos. If I saw a mega chunk, then I would think, ooh, that's a bit of a scary looking lizard. I might go this way for a little while. I'm with you, but don't worry, you won't see any mega chunks in your garden. It's extinct. Megachonk's fossils were found in the Wellington Caves near Dubbo in New South Wales, and researchers think there could have been other fossils in the cave too. Like dinosaurs? Maybe. Is it that time already? Wow, 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 wow of the week. 
this story made me go wow because there were some kind bits and some happy bits and also some sad bits, but I still love it. How long do you think a person could run for before they couldn't run anymore? I think if a human paced themselves and went rather slowly and drank lots of water and ate lots of food, I reckon they could go on for a pretty long time. A day. Try at least five days. Australian runner Phil Gore recently set a new world record in ultra-marathon running. Phil ran for five whole days and four nights, and he covered a distance of more than 600 kilometres with hardly any rest. That is amazing! I can't believe that that is true. I know, right? Phil was one of 54 runners who entered the Dead Cow Gully event on a cattle farm in Queensland. The athletes had to run a loop of 6.7 kilometres every hour, and if they made it back to base before the end of the hour, they could have a short rest and some food before they had to set off on the next loop. I think he was like kind of sleepy because he must be very tired and maybe having a little snack and a drink to be healthy as well. The runners all started together on a Saturday morning and ran through searing hot days into freezing cold nights. Gradually, runners dropped out when they felt they couldn't go any further until five days later, there were just two left still running. The final two were Phil and New Zealander Sam Harvey. Phil versus Sam. They knew that 101 loops was the world record, but when they reached about 96 loops, Sam started to feel very sore. But he knew that if he kept running, it would help push Phil along to break the world record. So Sam bravely kept going to help Phil make history. When they completed the 101st lap, Sam patted Phil on the back and wished him well on his record-breaking 102nd loop. I think that's ultra kind. He's not looking after himself, he's making sure someone else can win. Phil finished the final loop alone, winning the event and breaking the world record. I think that he would feel exhausted, ready for a rest, and maybe hope to be one of the stories on News Time, because I know I would. Ha! Well, he made it to the wow of the week, no less. Yes! And that's it, my friends. My friend Thomas Forrest will be hosting the next episode for NADOC Week, and Ruby will be back after that. Don't forget to do the news time quiz in the show notes. Bye! Bye! Or as they say in Tamil, put the varen. News Time is an ABC Kids Listen podcast. For other awesome podcasts to play, music to move to, and stories and soundtracks for sleep, download the ABC Kids Listen app. It's free from your app store.